When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Gangplank Report. You've heard Adrian and Jen talk about the most recent episode of this hip Bravo series. Now it's time to hear from you, the superfans. It's time for the bonus episode of the Gangplank Report. And here they are, Adrian Gang and Jennifer Bennington. Hey guys, welcome back for another superfan interview. This one's a very special one that we're doing on Gangplank Report with my longtime friend, Captain Sean Meager, who is probably one of the more accomplished captains that I know in the industry personally, and we've been friends for a long time. I'm excited because Sean makes an appearance on the new season of Below Deck. So that's very exciting. We'll find out a little bit about that. Welcome. I'm glad to have you. Thank you, Adrian. Yeah. Where are you right now? I am in Palma, Palma de Mallorca, in uh, the Balearic Islands, off a little part of Spain, but off the mainland of Spain. That's a lot more exciting than Tampa, so I'm jealous. <laughs> and Southern Ohio, yes. <laughs> well, you never know. There could be a lot of exciting things going on in Ohio and Tampa. That's not untrue. Not yeah. untrue. What are you doing in Palma? Uh, well, today I was out on a 103-foot boat that we were doing a photo shoot on, as uh, well as being a captain. I'm also a broker for Worth Avenue Yachts, and this is one of my listings. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. Is it Palma Boat Show? Is that happening right around now, or were you just at No, Monaco? the Monaco Boat Show just finished, and I was there. I've done five countries in seven days. Oof. That's a lot of frequent flyer miles. Unfortunately, if I was flying one airline, yes, you'd be correct, but I piecemealed it. So no, I flew from Boston to Paris, Paris to Nice. Nice, I took the helicopter to Monaco, and then I went back to Nice, and then back to Monaco, then back to Nice, then took the train to Genoa. And Genoa, I took a plane to Barcelona, Barcelona, the plane to Palma. Then tomorrow morning, I'll be flying to Frankfurt, and then back to Boston. Wow. I'm already tired. Yeah, I'm going to say, like, we're not going to do where in the world is Carmen San Diego anymore. We're just going to follow Sean around everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. I was actually just in Boston this past weekend. So oh. yeah, I went to Fenway for the first time. We oh, got to good. see the Red Sox get smoked by the Yankees, unfortunately. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was still fun to be able to go. I mean, that's a bucket list thing, right? So being able to go to Fenway, I've been there now. Oh, good. Yeah. And so you're traveling around. Is it for the brokerage? Because you just won an award recently, right? Explorers Club? No, no, it wasn't an award. It was just, I just renewed my membership. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I got, got you. You'll have to explain a little bit about what that is. Sure. I'm a member of the New York Explorers Club, and there's a couple of different tiers of membership. There's fellows and people that have a fellowship at the New York Explorers Club, people like Sylvia Earle or other people that have written books or have published papers on their voyages. And then there's members, and those are people like myself who have just have done interesting things and gone to remote places on the planet. So after I write my book, then I'll apply for a fellowship at the Explorers Club. Very cool. So that's what that is. 
Is it a certain amount of countries that qualifies you or how does that work? Particularly, it can be a lot of different criteria. I mean, you can be a cancer researcher and be part of the Explorers Club. You could be an astronaut. As a matter of fact, most astronauts are members of the New York Explorers Club. Buzz Aldrin is on the board of directors. Oh, cool. Nice. Very cool. That seems like it's a really exciting thing. I've seen you post a handful of things about that, but most of the things I see you post are interesting content in one way or another. Oh, thank you. Were you with Latitude when I met you? Because we met at the Newport Charter Show probably what? Yeah. Like, I 10 was years actually, ago? Yeah. I was actually on board Nuvita, which then became my Sienna. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. And then you did Latitude in between. No, I take that back. I was in between boats because I gave a talk at that particular show. No, I was boatless during that show. And they asked me to MC a panel. Oh, cool. That's what I was doing at that particular show. And I met you at lunch with Heather. Yep. Yep, yep. Shout out to the Shuckers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, Jen, we were supposed to go at this boat show. They were supposed to have a freelance chef oyster shucking competition. Say that 10 times fast. Not a kitten. (laughs) Yep. And so we all met up for lunch and decided that we were going to go to this thing and they ended up canceling it at the last minute. So we decided to drink the Moorings, which is a really nice restaurant in Newport out of their stock of Whispering Angel instead. Because we were so sad that they canceled that event. But it was one of the best accidental lunch situations that I've ever had. There was probably like 10 of us, maybe. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. And some of my best friends came out of that. I mean, I ended up working for Heather for a while with her linens company and met Ginger Hornaday. Like all that stuff all happened at once. And that's when I met Sean. So we've been connected since then and just kind of skipped around and seen each other at boat shows. But you've been mostly in Europe as of late. So I haven't really seen you much. Well, no, I've just only been in Europe this week. Oh, right. Well, actually, that's not entirely true. I'm all over the place. I have trouble keeping track of where I am. After I left Latitude, I took a little bit of a break, if you could call it that. I renovated my property on Cape Cod. Then I was the delivery captain for Bravo Eugenia when they delivered that boat. That was a 357-foot ocean tow. Then I jumped on board my Sienna as the relief captain. I was the broker for that boat, and I recently sold that boat back in July. Congratulations. Thank you. That is the boat that we see on the new season of Below Deck. And that is the boat that you see on Below Deck, correct. And we've seen her before, right? Yeah, she's a veteran of the show. This will be her third season on the show. Right. Is the new owner going to let you guys use her again? I don't know. I don't know. um, They've actually rebranded her. The owner of this boat had bought Starship two years ago, and they've done quite well chartering it. So He's renamed My Sienna Starship. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they're giving her a facelift. Nice. Little 80s yeah. reference. Welcome to Starship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So if you don't mind, tell us how that all evolved for you. So you took over as relief captain on My Sienna. Well, how this happened was I happened to deliver My Sienna down to St. Kitts or below deck. And through just kind of a lot of coincidence and pandemic stuff, I wound up staying in St. Kitts and Lee was delayed. So I was then asked to step in and be the relief captain on board my Sienna. And I have to admit, I had a lot of fun doing it. 
That's awesome. I feel like I wish my experience was as brief and as enjoyable as yours was. (laughs) (laughs) On below deck. Because I did not walk away thinking, oh, that was an awesome experience. It was only afterwards with all the networking I've been able to do that I've come to appreciate it. But during filming was actually a nightmare. But they're a much more experienced production team now than they were when I did it, obviously. So they've worked out some of the kinks. Let's put it that way. I have no frame of reference other than that everybody on the production staff was respectful of the boat. They were respectful of us and that it truly was, I was given no direction or anything. They just said, just do what you do. So I did what I did. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's one of the questions that I get asked the most is if it's scripted and I have to continually remind people, like, first of all, I am not an actress. (laughs) So there's that. And I couldn't remember lines to save my life if you made me like I still have to write down recipes and look them back up sometimes because I don't remember ratios. But it's interesting to me that so many people think that the things that we say and do are somehow written in advance because you have to ad lib everything that you do all of the time. I mean, that's the essence of yachting. You've been doing this for a really long time. You've been chartering for a really long time. You know that at the most inopportune moments, stuff goes wrong. And so you have to think on your feet, but that doesn't mean that I would have the time to do my job and recite a whole bunch of lines that somebody made me. Like, when would we have time to study lines? Once I explain that to people, they're like, oh, I get that makes sense. Okay. It's just funny to me that how many people ask me, you know, so who wrote the script for you? No one, unfortunately. (laughs) Since you have both been in the real life industry and now you've both been on the show, what are some of the differences? Are there things that are atypical aside from having camera crews and boom mics and that kind of thing? Or do you really just go about your day and where they catch you, they catch you? Well, I know for me on Latitude, we did so much filming Mm -hmm. all the time. Like either I was behind the camera or I was in front of the camera or there was cameras around that when we're doing this, it was easy to be oblivious of it. Right. Um, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the exception was on Latitude, we had full control of the edits. Right. On this right. one, on this one, it was like, you know, we uh, if we did something that we didn't want on film, it was too bad because right. uh, it, it, it was going to happen. The best move from what I've heard is to not say it at all. And hopefully nobody picks up on it. Because if you say, hey, I don't want this in there, they're going to hunt for that footage and they're going to make sure it's in there. <laughs> right. Oh, for sure. I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly I had just like such a positive experience with the production staff. that I used to joke about the show and say it's where crew go to destroy their careers and captains go to die. <laughs> and that actually wasn't fair because I have still never seen the show. Really? Yep. I did that on purpose because I didn't want to go into it with any preconceived notions, nor do I like to second guess myself. So I, didn't, right. I wanted to go in and, and just do what I normally do and hopefully change some opinions within our own industry. When you're asking what's different about the show one, normally the senior crew has the opportunity to hire their underlings. And when you hire people in a normal yachting situation, you hire people that you hope will synergize together. And that does not work. Yeah. But see, also through a lot of my career, I've 
literally I've been hired as the, the temp guy, or I've had to come in and just say that a boat has been a mess and can I come and fix it? And you know, oftentimes I'm not given my choice of the crew. The only exception I've had ever was Latitude. I had complete control of that whole program. And that was Anil Fadani had, he was the owner of that boat and had tremendous faith in me. And we, I mean, we delivered. I mean, that was five years of amazing footage, but amazing adventures and awards and, and everything. Dan doesn't know anything about the program. So if you want to elaborate a little bit more about sure. Latitude. So Latitude was a 147-foot Timmerman, which is a boat that was built by Moscow Shipyards, repack design. And like I'll say she was nothing special, but I mean, the boat was a very special boat. She was a good solid boat, but she wasn't an explorer yacht. She wasn't necessarily fast, but we did a lot with her. And my philosophy has always been that any vessel can be an explorer vessel, but you don't have to go out and buy an explorer yacht or it doesn't have to be a certain ilk. I think if you have a mindset of an explorer, it doesn't matter. And when I was first introduced to Anil Fadani, uh, I asked him the same question I ask every owner. I said, why are you buying this boat? And he gave me the best answer that any of the owners have given me. And he said, I want to go on adventures and photograph wildlife. And I went, okay, I'm in. So he had looked at Latitude at the Monaco Boat Show. It then came to Fort Lauderdale. He asked me to go on board and look at it. I looked at it. It was like, yeah, this is a good boat. And so anyway, he purchased it and it was in Fort Lauderdale. And I bought this big map from Ikea and I hung it in the main salon. It was a map of the world. Mm -hmm. And I said, where do you want to go? And at the time we were in Fort Lauderdale. So we pointed to Alaska and I said, okay, well, we can go to the Panama Canal and up the coast of California and past Canada to Alaska. I said, or we can go up over the top to the Northwest Passage. And he looked at the map and he looked at me and said, oh, we have to do that. And that's yeah. how fast we made that decision. That's and amazing. when we did it in 2014, we were the um, 216th boat in history to do it. And it was an adventure. I won't get into everything because we're talking about other stuff. But anyway, after that, it was such an adventure. I knew that really the only thing we had we could do was do it again. And this time we did it again. And this time it was from west to east. And we're the ninth boat in history ever to do that. Wow. And I mean, his pictures, I'm sure there's a lot of them on your Instagram because I've I've looked there before. Yeah. But like polar bears and penguins and icebergs. No penguins. And... I'm sure you meant puffins. Yes, puffins. Because <laughs> there are puffins, no penguins. But some really cool footage. That's, That's awesome. awesome. My dream is to go far enough north to see the Aurora Borealis and photograph well, that. Well, th this is interesting. So the first time we went through the Northwest Passage, I was in the pilot house at Deccan Franco from South Africa. And Franco looked, uh, now to our left was south, to our right was north. And he looked out the window on the port side of the vessel and he goes, I think I see the Northern Lights. And I said, Franco, I said, that's to the south. I go, that's, <laughs> and I said, that's impossible. But it wasn't. We were so far north, the northern lights were to the south of us. Wow. That's amazing. That is a yeah. dream. That's on my bucket list. I do photography as a hobby on the side, and that's just a dream shot. So you're living my dream, Sean. Well, thank that's you. That's amazing. One of my favorite things about Sean, and I'm going to make you blush, so it's a good thing this isn't videotaped, oh. is <laughs> all the amazing things that the crew that works for you says about you. I mean, you <laughs> and I spoke early on 
when we met each other about me possibly coming on board, I want to say it was latitude and we didn't end up doing that. But what I thought was really interesting was some of the interview questions that you asked instead of what squirt size do you wear? You asked what I'm passionate about, what my hobbies are, what hobbies I could do and bring with me that would contribute to the trip. And I just thought that that was so fascinating. I mean, you've helped some of your crew launch amazing careers. Like I'm thinking specifically of a couple of different people, but I think it's very cool that you encourage that instead of let's just work and then party and drink our faces off every port we get to the fact that you have done such an amazing job of helping to mentor people in their passions. I think that's just a very cool thing. Like Sheldon is one of the people I'm thinking of that has launched an amazing career doing videography. And to my knowledge, it really started when he was working with you. Well, Shelton just took the ball and, and ran with it. Look, I, like I don't take credit for Shelton's talent. I mean, what I give people is, is the opportunity and the time to pursue their passions and the encouragement to do so. Basically, my philosophy is like, I will give you everything that you need to succeed. And I hope you'll take advantage of that. And again, Latitude, it was full of people that took those balls and ran with it. Haley, my chief stewardess, I asked her in the interview, I said, if you could do anything, what would you be? And she said, a pilot. And I said, I'm going to hold you to that. And I tried to give her the time and the encouragement to get her pilot's license. And she, she's an, actually, she's a really good pilot. And I, I'm not nervous flying with her. She's a natural at it. And Shelton, we were just kind of hacking around with cameras and stuff. And then on the first trip, we were bummed out that our photography skills weren't up to snuff. And then I wound up getting a better camera. And Shelton wound up getting a better camera. And then it became like a competition. But a fun, <laughs> but a fun competition, you know, and then by the time we got to Svalbard, it's like our camera and, and drone game or Shelton's drone game was tight and right. he was setting up shots and it became just part of what we did and we made it fun. But yeah, I don't, I don't take credit for anybody's success. Well, I think where the credit is due is you, first of all, encouraging people to follow those dreams, but also giving them the time to actually accomplish it because we all know in really busy charter programs how difficult it is to make time for yourself. Right? It was like the very first boat that I was, the charter boat that I was on, I was the only time I ran as first mate. I was in Europe and I saw none of Europe and we were too shattered to go anywhere. Like if we weren't working, we're sleeping. And we were never encouraged to do anything other than like the crew wanted to go out and get, you know, and get hammered and I don't drink. So it wasn't a fun situation. So even when I knew the crew was shattered or I was shattered, I would say, why don't you go for a run or go for a walk? Do not sit in this crew mess. <laughs> like you children go outside and play. <laughs> and uh, because we were at these amazing places, it's like, okay, come along, let's go be a part of it. So we filled every spare moment of time that we had with, let's go off on to have a little adventure. We'd hop into tender, we'd do something cool. I remember one time in Greenland, the owner chartered us a helicopter for, I mean, the guests and for us too. And it was so cool. So we're flying through glaciers and doing stuff. And then we came back to the boat and I said, let's put the jet skis in the water. This is in Greenland in an ice field. And everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I said, no, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun. And it was, we had a blast. That was one of the best days ever. And because it was 24 hour daylight, I mean, I think that like, that was like a 20 hour day, wow, but it wow. just didn't even feel like it because we were having so much fun. 
Very cool. You know, I think going into this, you and I have chatted intermittently over the years about Below Deck and what that's all about. I was excited to find out that you were a part of the show because I think your leadership style is so vastly different from everything else we've seen on the show so far. And that's a good thing because you don't need the same program over and over and over again. And no program on the planet is the same as the one next to it. So it's always interesting for me as a freelance chef to jump on boats and see how people either run boats really well or run them into the ground is usually the spectrum there. But I know that the audience is going to get to know you a little bit through the show. I would love for you to be able to tell in your own words things that you, because your time on the show is fairly brief, at least as of now, what do you think you want people to know about you? I think they're just going to have to tune in and find out. Ah, look at you. You've got the Bravo line down. Watch what happens. But if they did ask you, we know that as of right now, for this, it was a shorter stint. If they opened up another franchise since they're expanding the realm, is it something that you would consider doing? Or to me personally, it sounds like you have a fabulous adventurous life already. I don't know if it's appealing to you to do that again, or is it like, okay, you've checked this off your list and now on to the next adventure? Oh, no, I would definitely do it again. Good. I was just getting warmed up. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, especially the cast that I've talked to prior to filming, go into it with a healthy amount of fear because you don't really know what you're doing necessarily or what it's going to look like. I think you probably had a pretty solid foundation of understanding. (laughs) Yeah. People ask me this. They're like, when I do all the stuff that I do, it's like, like, weren't you afraid or weren't you this? And I was like, I don't get rattled. I just, I don't, that doesn't make me afraid. Like a committed relationship, that makes me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, as soon as they're like, we have to talk, I'm like, I gotta go, go, go chase polar bears, or like, I'm gonna go and be a reality television star. Anyway, bye. <laughs> um, I gotta hop on a helicopter to Nice. I gotta go get in a helicopter. I gotta go, I gotta go jet ski through an ice field. <laughs> so. that's better than I have to go walk my cat yeah yeah (laughs) I mean at least that part of the story is more interesting but that's really funny (laughs) there you go well awesome I'm so glad that we had the chance to bring you on I think like I said I've always known you to be an amazing leader and a really great captain and a great friend and I'm excited that other people get to see of course and I'm excited that other people get to see that too because I think that you are a fairly stark contrast to what we've seen before I think probably the closest person although I would say he's probably a lot more laid back in general is Captain Glenn who's been on the sailing season but you're just as likable if not more so I think oh and I'm Yeah, of course. I'm excited for people to see that. It's nice to have something different sometimes. I know that everybody's used to Lee, especially on Below Deck OG, but it never hurts to have a little bit new blood in there. So I'm excited for you. Like people have said on the E! Entertainment News, I would say posted a thing on that and there was about a thousand comments and I went through and I answered most of them. Ah. (laughs) They're like, oh no, Lee's gone. And and so I answered, I said, nope, Lee's not gone. And some people were like, what's it like to replace Captain Lee? And I said, well, I kind of threw it back to was like when David Letterman was asked the question, they said, what's it like to replace Johnny Carson? And he said, well, he goes, well, nobody can replace Johnny Carson. 
And I'll go that thing. It's like nobody can replace leads. Like he's a big part of the reason why the show is successful as it is. Mm-hmm. And my goal in anything that I've done, whether it's in business or in art or photography or whatever, my goal is not to emulate anyone. My goal is to continually be a better version of myself. It's a good philosophy to live by. Yeah. And I don't need to tear someone else down to showcase my talents. So I think Lee is, again, Lee's a huge part of the reason why this show is successful and no one will ever take that away from him. Right. I meant to ask you before, when you did get on the boat, did you know any of the crew from actual industry life? You don't have to say who. No. And again, that doesn't bother me in the slightest. It's like, again, a large part of my career is coming into crews where I don't know anybody. Right. And it's like, I look what I got. And I usually can size people up in a couple of seconds. And mm-hmm. then I'm like, all right, what do I got to work with here? And then I'm going to find out what your talents are, which is why the questions I ask in, in an interview, what do you like for books and music? What's your favorite movie? If you could be anything, what would you be? And that tells me a lot about the person. And I kind of think, I'm like, all right, well, this is what I got. And at that point, I'm going to find out what their strengths are. And I'm going to give them everything they need to succeed with the strengths that they have. Because their weaknesses are, in my mind, are irrelevant. I'm not there to fix them. But what happens when you accent the positive and you give people everything they need to succeed? Those weaknesses slowly fall away or they get stronger. And that's how I go into any crew is that I'm like, all right, well, what do I got? Let's play to their positive traits and we'll go from there. Now, again, if I could only do that in my personal life, in my relationships, <laughs> it would be great. Because I tend to like date someone and be like, how can I fix her? And I hope try to do that with my crew. I think everybody brings something to the table. And sometimes you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. I had a stewardess that she was an amazing dancer, specifically an Irish dancer. She was in river dance and she flew from China. Now, frankly, Emily, she had a good heart and a good attitude. And she was a green, green stew. So she really didn't know a whole lot about being a stewardess, but she knew how to entertain. And in the key moment when I needed a dancer to entertain the guests, she delivered and put on an amazing, amazing performance. So sometimes somebody will have a weird skill and and it'll come into play when you need it the most. So, I mean, I had a bosun way back when he's a captain now. And I was, I remember I walked back, I'm walking into the salon. I hear piano music playing. And I think it was Mozart's piano concerto number 27, but it was was good. And I walk in and it's my bosun playing the piano. And I was like, where did you learn how to play the piano? And well, and he goes, oh, I played it my whole life. So you never know the talents or skills that are hidden. And I think what's a wonderful part about this industry is that we're all kind of misfits in some way, but this is an industry where you can have the most obscure talent and at a critical moment, it'll save the day. That's awesome. Well, if you are ever in need of a fan of Silence of the Lambs, Crichton Books, Classic Rock. We always need someone to put the lotion in the basket. (laughs) All right. Yes, I love you. Awesome. (laughs) All right. I am there, man. I'm there for you. We really appreciate you coming on and doing this. I'm excited to get to see you. I know Adrian has history. I don't. This was a great way to set the scene for what's coming up on October 25th and looking forward to see what you do and maybe seeing you back again. Absolutely. You never know.
Yay! Yeah. So just a quick note is I'll be most likely at the premiere of the show, I'll be off the coast of Panama doing a plastic cleanup. Oh, yeah. What's the organization? Ocean Voyages. The Ocean Voyage Institute has been monitoring the trash gear for decades. They've had sailboats go out there and collect trash and do studies on it. You can see this boat on my Instagram page, which is Excitement Factory. Anyway, we're going to go off the coast of Panama and Costa Rica, going into marine sanctuaries and monitoring plastic in those sensitive areas. And I'll be doing that for a month. I just watched a documentary last week on the Galapagos Islands. And because the population has grown so much from being just fishermen there, and now the population is like 30,000, the plastic issue has become a big issue there. And they're studying it there as well. So I'm glad you're going to do that. And anybody who can support them, you absolutely should. So remind everybody where they can find you on social media. You can just, my name on Facebook or Excitement Factory on Instagram. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much again, everybody. My pleasure. Check them out when Below Deck Original begins airing on October 25th. And we will catch you next time for the recap on Tuesday. Thanks, everybody. And Adrian, thank you. Have a great evening. Thank you. you. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me hearties.